Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer and broadcaster. And what you're about to hear is one of the roughly 1,400 interviews I did for publications such as the Irish Times, Sunday Independent, Hot Press Magazine and for RT Radio 1. How do I know there are roughly 1,400 interviews? Because I recently digitised all the damn tapes myself. But remember that many of the interviews were done for the print media and recorded on cassette tapes. So some are, let's say, sonically challenged. However, I happen to believe that sonic considerations should at times give way to historical significance. And I'm glad to say that at least some powers that be in RT Radio 1 agreed with me on this. And broadcast between 2015 and 2018, many of my interviews in a series called The Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited. What follows is a programme from that series. By the way, if you want to access the full tapes for personal or professional use, for example, in a documentary, you can contact me via my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, welcome to this edition of the Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited. But first, let me say this. Sometimes when I revisit tapes I made over a roughly 30-year period as a so-called celebrity interviewer, I am left speechless. That's me speechless. More seriously, the truth is that when I played after not hearing for 21 years the four hours of tape I made in 1996 with Father Brian Darcy for a hot press interview, I was startled by how truly soul-searching he had been. Far more so, in fact, than I had space to allow him to be in the published interview. This was particularly true in terms of the last cassette tape we made, actually here in RTE, in a relatively quiet corner before Darcy was due to do a guest slot on a radio show. That tape really does sound like he was making his first, if not last, confession and could just as well be a near monologue from Beckett's Waiting for Godot. By the way, Father Brian Darcy in his 2006 book, A Different Journey, said that during this interview, I became the first journalist to ask him outright if he himself had ever been sexually abused. You'll hear that exchange, but what you won't hear is Darcy telling me the details of each incident of abuse the first of which occurred when he was a boy, the second when he was a seminarian. That part of the interview was off the record and not on tape, though Darcy did give me permission to leave in at least the reference to the fact that he had been abused. Tellingly, one reason he was reticent to go public in more detail on this subject was that his image as Father Trendy might lead to some people saying he was just jumping on the bandwagon at a time when tales of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church were rife. Hearing Darcy tell me this made me even more determined to try and undo his ridiculously reductive image as Father Trendy, something that already was my goal. So to kick off, I purposefully, provocatively said to Brian that this image probably struck many young people in particular as not only patronising, but also alienating, if not pretty abominable. I was never that keen that I was a Father Trendy. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, and those who know me are very, uh, and there are quite a number of people who would know me, would be very good friends, people who worked hard with me in parishes, in right. spiritual programs, in all the other sort of stuff, would know that I was never, ever a Father Trendy. Secondly, right. uh, But what does that phrase connote to you? Uh, Father, Trendy, Father, Trendy. Father Trendy means that he's jumping in every bandwagon, and that he, he I mean, for example, that you were on all out, right. like talking about songs and stuff like that. All I right. never did an outlook of any description, ever. Right. Okay, but you made um, the entertainment industry your ministry. I, I mean, such, yeah, but I, that is because, because I was a fan of the industry, not because right. it was a ministry. I wasn't mixing the two in that other sense. Well, were you trying to bring the people back to God through no, music? You I'm know, like Dolly Parton might claim they do in country music. Uh, they have another agenda. That's what I think some people fear. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, there was, there was, there was a, a stage when I most certainly did feel that pop music was saying something that, that, that I listened to a lot and maybe right. was saying something that I could preach a lot and right. particularly from the times of Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel and it was reflecting, it was reflecting what young people were thinking and it was not necessarily the same message as the church was saying at the same time right. um, and certainly it was bringing up women's issues and it was bringing up abortion and it was Like who? Up Paul Simon? Singer-songwriters? Uh, uh, Singer-songwriters throughout the, throughout the you so know, was, Helen Reddy was bringing, right. up, uh, was bringing up a lot of stuff uh, yeah, later yeah. on in that yeah. stage about women Issues. Well, I am woman. And, uh, precisely, yeah, precisely yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. Feminist anthem. Um, and 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 it moves, it moves through it. I mean, and and Dolly Parton and, and 
to a greater extent, Loretta Lynn was too. But Dolly Parton was own, too. For their, for their own place. Actually, yes, Dolly Parton. You know, those Parton songs about Lynn. young women abandoned because they Absolutely. became pregnant, they were Absolutely. very forward thinking. Did you ever get in trouble for taking for that the fact that some of those songs were definitely espousing uh, an ethos Absolutely. or a that were different than the, the churches? I give, you an a per, I give you a straightforward example of it, Joe. The, the first time I became editor of The Cross was a couple of months after it was ordained. Um, and the first issue of The Cross for November 1970, front cover of The Cross was The Beatles and their influence right. on young people. Right. Uh, and it was banned by the censor. The censor in the Archbishop did not want that to be on the front cover of a religious magazine. And if you go back, it was on every single paper at that stage that a religious right. magazine right. would dare to put The Beatles on it. And right. that was what I did my Who first Who wrote the video. article? Was that I your did. article? I did. And what were you saying? That it had influenced them in terms of drugs? Yes, I was more popular than Jesus ethos. You, you, you carried you, through that? I, I was saying that. And I said, to a great extent, that was a true statement. Right. Well, I can understand why that was. <laughs> John nearly got burned in Memphis for that one. I, you know, so, okay, you, you so you're bringing that I one. Saying, yeah. I think what the guy said was true. He wasn't right. claiming to be greater than no. Jesus. What no. he was saying was, yeah. I probably am better known than yeah. Jesus Christ throughout yeah. the earth. Yeah. And that yeah. is probably, oh, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it certainly had a, a, more, a deeper ring of truth in it. Well, why don't you before you go forward on that, there is a book that's just come out called Revolution in the Head about the Beatles. Uh -huh. And it roots the success of groups like the Beatles. It takes very seriously that comment. Yeah. And it says that the popularity of groups like the Beatles, forward through to Presley, to Prince, to Jackson, that all these people are almost substitute gods in an age where science has atomized the yes. idea of Christ. Yes, yes, you yes. Know, I, that, I, would, that, I would young buy people that. I, I would buy that as a, as, a, as a very good political, or not as a very good philosophy that could right. be held. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you would argue and disagree or agree with it. As to whether those people should be seen in those terms. And, and exactly, or, whether, or what they would even think of it, or whether you can bring it to its logical conclusion. There is an element of truth which is not necessary as a full truth. Right, but you did say yeah. that the, the reference I said to you where Elvis changed uh, Pink Cadillac, you may have religion to Pink Cadillac, you saw rock and roll becoming a new religion. Ah. And there are many who see it in those and sell it in those terms. Uh, well, maybe so. And it would, right. I would say it may be a new liturgy rather than a new religion. Okay. Do you understand? Uh, I'm not Fair enough, but define uh, the difference for me. I then. think it's, it's where people come together. Liturgy is where people come together and get in touch with, because they're in, in a communal experience, get in touch with the greater power. Um, now, that's really the advantage of it, really, is essence, essentially what the Mass or a religious service should be, where, right. where, where I don't sit at home and pray on my own, but where they come together for brothers and sisters. And because we can do that, there's a, there's a, a spirit or a, a, an expression, a communal expression. It's why you have liturgical dance, it's why right. you have liturgical um, uh, movement, it's why right. you have liturgical music, it's why you dress up. Right, right. Uh, you know. Yeah, but a lot of people going to see you too. And Bono himself has said that he believes that when he does it, the greater force they're gathering together to celebrate is Bono, and that makes him fearful. Yes. And it's you too. Ah, yes. They're not aspiring beyond that to a God force. Uh, exactly. But uh, I would, I would, I'm, I'm not saying that that isn't also true. What I'm saying is right. what people experience there, is is, and I would look at how how young people. Um, um, who, where young people feel at home and feel loved and feel wanted, and where young people feel free to express themselves, right. and I think I, if I'm not looking at that, I have no right to, right. to 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 be trying to communicate with young, different or old, right. and I'm also finding a little of myself in that. Right. I'm not sort right. of bringing the idea of me sort of trying to bring people to go uh, through music. Um, it could be true, but for the idea of me trying to be trendily interested in music right. just to bring people right. to God is not right. true, and never was true. What about I was first of all a fan. By the way, before this interview began, Brian Darcy and I had discussed the cultural sea change signified by the fact that in 1955, Elvis, in his recording, Baby Let's Play House, changed the lyric line, you may get religion, to you may have a pink Cadillac. So I asked Darcy, who was born in Fermanagh in 1945, attended the Christian Brothers Grammar School in Oma, St. Michael's College in Enniskillen, and who studied scholastic philosophy in UCD, as is evident from this interview, to tell me more about his years growing up as a pop fan. It would have been, what, 60s music? 50, uh, late 50s, late early 50s, 60s? Mainly 60s music. And I've interviewed someone like Paul Durkin, who said he discovered Heartbreak Hotel, and then the priest or the bishop or somebody told him this was the devil's music, and the shadows came in, and it was sexual, and you should not be sexual. Yeah, they told me that. Did you have to go through all that stuff? Yes, very much so. Um, and, and priests, I was taught by priests in school who kept telling me these things were wrong. And, um, and I mean, I remember at home as a young fella in a very small country, two-roomed house, uh, in Bendelec with a tin roof in it. 
I studied and did all my studying listening to Radio Luxembourg right. in my ear right all through right. the fifties the and right through the uh, until sixty three. Did you have ended. moral problems uh, dealing with the suggestion that rock and roll was the devil's music and that it was too sexual for Irish Catholics to be opening uh, their hearts the, to? At the very time that I was saying that, there was a rule in our diocese which said it was a reserve sin to go to a dance that did not end at twelve o'clock. Um, that was that was the kind of thing we grew up in. But right. still, we were going to bands, and I was I had been at school in Oma with fellows like Pat Chester of the Platinum and Brian Call, Frankie right. McBride, um, uh, Ray Moore, right. uh, Rob Strong. Right. Um, all those guys were fellows that I grew around with, I, and I said, "Well, there's nothing wrong with them." Right, <laughs> what I mean, right. and 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 there was nothing wrong with me sure, either. Yeah, uh, yeah. And when I wanted to be a priest, my father said, "You will never be a priest." He did not want me to be a priest Why? He, because I was too interested in music. He said, "No." He said, "That that doesn't really look at the priest." Says, what age were you when you first articulated the desire to be a priest? I didn't. It was not I who articulated it first. Actually, right. it was I went into confessions one night as was the regular custom at that stage, and the priest in the very monastery that I'm rector in now. One of the old priests there was a Father Angelo, which was an awful name for any man to have, but they right. took names like that at that stage. Um, and it looked like Angelos to me, so I presumed somebody had dropped an O or a U or something <laughs> along the line. Um, and in the middle of that, anyway, he just said quite out of the blue, he said, did you ever think of becoming a priest? And I was about 15, 16, right. 16 at this stage. Right. And I said, no. Um, and he said, well, I think you should. I said, why? Well, he says, I think you're good enough. I said, well, nobody ever told me that I was good enough to be a priest. Well, he said, come down to me next week. And, and I said, I can't because I'm, I'm playing in the county final, which I was on Gaelic football. Well, he said, will you come the following week? And I went, get up on my bicycle and I cycled the five mile. Right. And I saw him the following week. And I did. I would have been basically, a, you know, I, I, would have, I wouldn't have been a rebellious right. um, um, young fella in that sense. But, I mean, I was the black sheep of my family at that stage, you know. Had you, been, had you lived like a, a boy of 16 would in, in relation to a sexual 16, experience, a drinks, 16, any of that? Not those drinks, days. no, no, not drink. I suppose girlfriends? I, uh, yeah, girlfriends, but innocent In those days it would be it, it was innocent kissing girl. and holding Exactly, uh, precisely. Going to school pictures. and on the way back from school and right. maybe going to dances and maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, there was no cars or anything like that, but right. the, I did, I was going to dances. Had you been in love as a teenager, I'd imagine? I, I wasn't a teenager in love, but I wasn't in love. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Singing Dion song. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you were, of course you were, and I know every, every young one in the convent school, I mean, you were mad about them. I, mean, right. I meet right. them now, the Grandmothers, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a chastening experience. But did you, when you had to make that, when you had to make that decision? Exactly. But I mean, yeah. part of the problem, and part of the problem still for a lot of them, we'll obviously deal with it later uh, in in more detail. Is the question of celibacy, the question of giving up all those girls that you had crushes on? Mm. Was that even? A consideration back then, or was it not? I, looking back on it now, it really wasn't a consideration. Right. I have right. got to say that, and it, right. and it is one of the things that I would object to in my own training that it didn't become a consideration, until. and that on, on until much much later in life, right. much later in life, right. Right. Uh, when probably it would have been too late if if, if I hadn't been lucky enough to have well-adjusted friends, right. if I hadn't been lucky enough to. Uh, be at a time where I had could go and get myself uh, readjusted by right. doing uh, refresher courses, by 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 doing group work with people, right. by being psychologically advanced, and by trying to bring some bloody balance into my life. Right. And I'm talking now in, in 1980 when I began okay. to do this, uh, right. and have been doing it very seriously ever since. That seminal subject of how Brian Darcy needed circa 1980 to unlearn, as it were some of the more morally dubious and spiritually corrosive aspects of his religious training is a subject to which we would return during our final tape. But at this point, Brian wrapped up this part of our chat by focusing again on his image as Father Trendy. I, at any stage, was never in the church's book of Trendy. I was never acceptable right. in the church. Right. Uh, it was uh, when I became a parish priest, I uh, was objected to by the Archbishop. He did not want me to become a parish priest. Um, uh, Why not? Because of, because, be, because because I a I was too outspoken. B I was not loyal to the church, and C because I seemed to be a populist guy. Brian Darcy, who became a novice at the Passionist Monastery in Enniskillen in 1962, a year later was transferred to Mount Argos in Dublin, ordained a priest in December 1969, and three years later became, he says, the first Irish priest to join the NUJ. So I asked Brian if, back when he started writing his column in the Sunday World, he was bound by, say, church restrictions. They tried to, but I did not do it. When I was editor of The Cross, it had to go through a censor each month. 
Uh, and, I, and, and a number of them caused great problem. Um, uh, but one was an interview I did with Bernadette Devlin in 1972-73, in which she um, gave a wonderful explanation of how Christianity had failed and how socialism uh, needed to be tried within the church. And she came out with that immortal phrase Aye. was, and uh, that immortal thing, and she, she proved quite, to my satisfaction at least, that the Catholic Church here in Ireland had almost deliberately set up a situation where priests who might have uh, a rebellious or revolutionary nature were fobbed off into religious orders. You, uh, you mean abroad? And therefore no. abroad. Oh, and therefore abroad. Because they had brought in a rule, oh, actually, right. where unless you had attended a diocesan seminary for two years, you oh, couldn't right. enter Maynooth. Okay. Now, that wasn't going to get a bus conductor's son in. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. going to get a middle-class Right. Fella right. in. Right. Uh, and she, this is this is her theory, which right. I had. But that's the same kind of hierarchical uh, structure that many find offensive within the church, political or otherwise. Aye, aye, you know? yes, yes. And particularly socialists or the left wing right. analysts right. throughout the 60s and, and, and she, 70s. And she maintained, you know, that, that Irish priests had, re had revolutionized Africa and South America but had never got a chance right. to do it at home. All right. At this point, Brian Darcy explained to me why the year before this interview he hadn't felt it would be right to celebrate in Ireland the 25th anniversary of his ordination. So instead, he went to work for a year in South Africa. A report in the Irish Times had suggested it was because he'd been so disillusioned by revelations of paedophilia in the church. I asked him if that was true. Was it because you were, you were so upset by all the revelations about um, no. by, by, by the paedophile priest? Smith? No, not at that stage. Because that's what the Times suggested, that no. you, you, you told friends... There is nothing to celebrate in being part of the process. Oh, right, that's all right. This that's is breaking at the same time. That is not why I went. Okay. That's why you didn't celebrate. That's why you didn't feel I, the urge to celebrate. When, when I come back, people still want to celebrate. And I said, absolutely, under no right, circumstances. Right, and right, there was no right, celebration. Right. Not even in my own parish. But because of that, yeah. wasn't? did you feel so disillusioned? I felt so disillusioned. I did. I felt so disillusioned. And I said, how... How would I feel if I had been abused by a priest or if a family in, my, in this area had been abused by a priest and see this fella come in and having a big slap-up um, thing? I mean, that really is... You, ha you having a big slap-up meal? A, a slap-up meal or yeah, a celebration yeah. or yeah. people saying what a yeah. good for or whatever you are, or photographs in the paper of, of the latest of this thing. I mean, it, there are times when you, 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 you must have the decency not to celebrate. But it wasn't a rejection of the priesthood and saying, I don't it see was, anything yes. to celebrate. Yes, it was rejection of the priesthood that, that, that people perceived. Uh, do you understand right. what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, this triumphalist priesthood. All right. And I was saying, no, I'm not getting part of that. I don't want to be part right. of it, and I'm not part of it. But was your own perception being polluted too by all this? Mm -hmm. Your own commitment, your mm -hmm. own love, your own faith? Yes. You know. I've no doubt about that, and still is, Joe. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it's, that there was some magic formula which right. which eradicates this. This is a painful journey. Yeah, and I saw I, I saw you say that the uh, and I, and I was saying this to um, that it's great to see the systems falling down, but so many people are traumatized by the fall. Uh, yeah, that it's just we can't deal with it. That, people well, can't. A lot of people. My mother can't deal with it. Yes. You know, she yeah. couldn't deal with with the whole. I mean, be it Brendan Smith, be it Casey and right. uh, Father Michael Cleary, your friend, the right. whole three happening together. She's right. 67 years old and it's very too much, much taking too much the whole thing right out of her guts. Well, 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 well yeah. I, thought, I mean, you know, I don't, I, you know, I, th I think they're the people that I feel, so and I don't mean that again, I feel desperately sorry for good people like that because they have given a life to it. They have, they have, they have stood against wayward sons <laughs> shouting oh, yeah, at them and, and, and possibly husbands shouting at them and they have taken flat for yeah, a long yeah. long time yeah. and then all of a sudden I mean they they had at least the idea that right was on their yeah, side yeah. now that's gone Yeah, which know. is a hell of a loss ah but I mean that is hell it is hell that, yeah, that's, yeah. is there any other the very certain is you clasp to its line that, can you think of any better yeah. definition of hell yeah. than that no, no you know no, and yeah, I think yeah. that's what hell will be as a matter of fact Right, and all of the right. things we clung to that thought we would see us through a puff of smoke. But how many, how many artists have I interviewed, like Christy Moore and that, who say that the loss of faith in another process led them to clasp so deeply onto Guinness or drugs or whatever, <sighs> that the loss of that certainty is a pivotal experience in anybody's life. And, 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 and I would agree with you that the older the person, and I don't mean just my mother, I mean people who have spent, yes. fashioned their souls on a particular exactly. set of values for their entire lifetime, uh, to have it suddenly whipped from under them is like. Is, 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 is how do you do it? I mean, what yeah. happens after that? I mean, it is were you really were you ever abused as a child? 
Were you ever close to being abused? Yes, I was, but I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I, that's not for publication. All right, you were because that sounds like that sounds like I'm just jumping in a bandwagon. But why wouldn't you want to go public about it, even I, to only say yes, I was, but I don't want to talk about it any further? It doesn't sound like boasting. It sounds like I know I have compassion for this because oh, oh, I was in there. Yes, it will, you know well, what I mean. Yeah, well, if, if you want to run it, but I, but, I, but, but I just don't want to. I, 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 no. I don't want to head in on hot press because that's because that's I, wrong. I promise you, I will. I will that's look not at, no. how it is. You know, so yeah, it's you're not like, the first one has said it to me. Many people right. have said it to me. Like obviously, you 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 are hit. You you are saying things so right that obviously you were. And so I'm not going to deny that. I'm not denying it because of shame, because I have in my own community and I have dealt with it and I have said it. Right. So, I mean, I have said it publicly uh, in that sense, my own religious community, that is. All right. But, but it seems too much like misread because of my history as being a tra- seen as a father trendy. Oh, yeah, well, that's out of the way in the first questions you answered, you know. No, I'll handle yeah. this as delicate. You know, I will not. It's, it, it, it might be just right. But it gives, no, to me, it gives more yeah. validity to right. what you're talking right. about. I did, of course, honour that promise to Father Brian Darcy. Next up, we discussed what had been his relatively recent and hugely controversial appearance on a particular Late Late Show, during which Darcy argued in the presence of Cardinal Daly that the Church was largely perceived to be out of date and lacking in compassion. You just said it spot on. Exactly. I said, not that it is, but like it's perceived as lacking in compassion, yeah. out of date, yeah. and yeah. Exactly. You know, the structures, yeah. about the structures. Exactly. You know? And I still can't understand why, but, but obviously it was, it just put words on what people had either been afraid to think or were thinking and couldn't put words on. Did I, did, did I, Cardinal Daly say in any way, uh, uh, tone it down? Sure. No. It would be best if you didn't. No. Because oh, what you were also calling for no. was an open debate. Absolutely. You were saying, let yeah. us discuss these things in public. He didn't. And, mm-hmm. and that was that was what annoyed me. That's why I had to say it because I had been, uh, I had said a few things in the earlier part of the program, which I actually think are more important. That that, like that of the arrogance of the church saying right. that people who live together have to be living in sin, right. or or okay. the fact that 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 uh, people were, uh, you know, that the church leaders were dismissing anxiety and anger with the church uh, and putting it down to pedophilia. I was saying I'm, right. I'm maintaining the paedophilia is the excuse people use right. for a latent anger at the church anyway because of decades of repressive clericalism. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I in, think in that's... In the broadest sense. In the, yes, and I think that's what has to be looked at. Right. Not just how do we get over paedophilia, yeah, but you're going to look at how does, how does uh, Father X react when I go and I'm living with a girl in the parish and I look for my child baptized. How does yeah. Father X go when he knows that we've been living together for two years and we go to him for marriage? How does Father X react when, when I have made a genuine decision, I've made peace with my former wife, and, and I'm now in a new relationship with the person that I know can't be blessed formally by a church, right. but nevertheless, I know I'm at peace with my God. How does Father X react when I go up for Holy Communion? Sure. And I'm looking at oh, how does Father X react with the running of the local school and the appointment of teachers? Uh, you know, now we're getting into nitty-gritty stuff of clerical repressive clericalism that has caused much of this anger that has now found a very legitimate way of expressing itself in anger against paedophiles. But you can see why the community and society in Ireland has, has hooked into the paedophile. Oh, sure, and rightly so, rightly so. I mean, we have to get that out of the way, and we have to make sure that we repair the damage, and we have to make sure that it not doesn't ha- that it le- you can't say that it's never going to happen again, because families will tell you that you know they've done their best in families. I mean, families have been dealing this this for for yeah. for, for centuries, and certainly very much so in the last decades. During this next part of the interview, you may hear a kind of bleed through from a previous recording on the cassette tape. But what Darcy said is way too important to be silenced by a slight technological flaw, especially given that the church has since censured him publicly, in a sense that, to me, is highly flawed, theologically speaking. Either way, Darcy at this point told me he'd always tried to undo the notion that guilt and shame are good, and that the only way to get to heaven is to suffer. And, and well, again, I'll use the word perception. It is uh, perception that uh, guilt and suffering sure. and all those things are good. Yes, I agree, but, but, but I've spent my life trying to say that is not true. All right. Okay, um, okay. I've spent my life saying it's not. I mean, uh, if, somebody, if, my, if, if a woman comes up to me tomorrow and says I've had a miscarriage, that's how I began the article last night, and I'm, for eons I've been doing it. If somebody comes and says my child has died, I'm not going to say it's God's will. All right. Flip me. Sure, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's God's will. When my nephew died, right. I, 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 I was ferociously angry with God, and All I was right. saying to my sister, Marie, you have a right to be angry with God about that. Please don't try and say 
uh, that is God's will. It's not God's will. God yeah. doesn't want that. But it doesn't mean that we can't somehow so how do you explain it. it to yourself or to your family? The only way I can explain it to myself is that 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 that, that, that you know evil and suffering and uh, life in general. I don't know the answer to them. Mm. All I know is I know enough about God in my life to know that He'll walk with me through it. Mm. Now, where He's leading me, I don't know where mm. He's leading me. Mm. But I know that it will be a, that that He won't He won't abandon me. Do you not feel at the moment like Daddy has abandoned you? Yes, death of, of course a child you do. Or the death of a young Absolutely. Person. But then, didn't Jesus on the cross say, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" So I mean, it's just a perfectly normal spirituality to have. Uh, but the that, doubt and the questions yeah, are surely certainly. part of faith. Uh, yes. How can you have faith until you have doubted? All right. When was the moment of deepest crisis for you in terms of maybe coming close to just believing there is not a God? It's happened a few times. It's happened a few times in there. Not just one. It would, ha it would happen a few right. times. I would say when I was dealing with a family and the fourth member of the family committed suicide. Right. And I'd say, this, uh, you know, that's pretty close to despair. Right. Um, I would say... Like as in, how can God allow this? Ah. Uh, I could say that the day the bomb went off in Inniskillen, All right. I, I, I doubted if right. there was a God that day. All right. So at moments of, 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 of that, that it's, not, it's, not a, it's not personal stuff that makes me okay. deny God All right. All so right. far, you know. When's the moment when a personal stuff made you absolutely, because somebody told me I didn't see you with, was it Jerry Ryan? Or was I it Jerry Ryan? Ryan yeah, yeah. That you really seem to be close to leaving the church and wanting to have a child and wanting to marry. Mm. Are those, are those personal? I would uh, hope so. I would hope so. I would hope so, Joe. I mean, I mean, I would hope that I would still be thinking of those things, and, and that's not that because I'm wanting to do them. I'm right. looking to do them. That I, I'm going to do them. But is it not a result of the past year where the whole yeah. thing seems to have fallen around you? Yeah. No, no. I wouldn't say. Not? I wouldn't say it's All just right. a result of the falling in around me. No, no. I would not. Right. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. I don't. I don't think it'd be fair to do that now because that fair to put that on. I think I have to own something myself. Fair enough. Do you understand okay. what I mean? No, but I did see and the suggestion that the uh, that the church's position in terms of celibacy comes uh, to yeah, yeah. that 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 really but, upset but, and disappointed you. But that totally. That totally. Amongst me, and, and still does to this day. Why? What's so? Because there's no, there's absolutely no reason for compulsory celibacy. It is a mean man-made law that has something to do with property in the Middle Ages yeah. and has yeah. nothing to do with human development now. It has nothing to do with the first pope. It has nothing to do with for a thousand years of it. Compulsory right. celibacy, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. And it has nothing to do with anything today other than a mean little rule about nothing. But do you hope it will be changed? Of course it will be changed. Planet, you think it will be? Of course it will be changed. Sooner rather than later? But, well, and in church's terms, sooner it could be in 50 years. Later during the interview, I asked Father Brian Darcy if there was any truth to the rumour that he was moved out of Mount August because he'd gotten involved with a woman. This then led on to us discussing his denial at the time of claims that his friend, Father Michael Cleary, was the father of Ross Hamilton, one of two sons, and some say a daughter, that Cleary now transpires fathered with his housekeeper, Phyllis Hamilton. By the way, the Niall Stokes I refer to in the following quote is the editor of Hot Press. OK, I'm going to give you the wildest rumour I heard. If there's any truth to it, you can, you can answer sure. it the way you will. That one of your, some of your older parishioners in Mount Argus said you were sent out of the parish because you were involved with a woman. No. Now, is that, is that the kind of story? No. Have you heard that? Well, well, you hear that every week. All right. You hear that, every that you were moved right. because you were involved, and someone else said this is just older older women said it right. to a young guy who told me only two nights ago uh -huh. that they say, "Oh, we know why he was moved down," but it did sound like one of these. No, I know, no, I that you were involved with. Someone said a nun, a woman, and that you were shifted, as if that was to kill that no. any any area of that. There's no, no truth at no, all to that no, rumor. No, I was totally involved with about nine hundred women. What? <laughs> <laughs> in, in the parish of our darkest. Uh, no, that had right, no, that the, the reason that was changed was because we have terms, and when you're right. superior, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, your term comes to an end, and when you're superior, yeah, you do not stay on in the same house at the end of your term. All right. Because the new superior would find it very difficult, and you would find it very difficult. So it is traditional, and, and it's a very sensible thing All right. that that yeah. when your term comes, you're moved from that house. Now we don't have any other house in Dublin. So there's no skeleton's going to come out of the closet after you die. I, I wouldn't say that. I don't know about that. But there's no. Right. But there'd be no real skeletons. 
Because you see, one of the parts, and I think even Niall Stokes wrote about it there, where he felt, he did say to me that you were discredited when you said that Father Michael Cleary had not had children because he told you that and you believed it. Uh-huh. And on the front of your paper, there was 12 pages of, of what uh-huh. seemed to be loving photographs uh-huh. of him with uh-huh. his son. Uh-huh. And where does that leave you? I mean, it was when, when Ross was in the house and, and Phyllis was in the house and I was in it very frequently and Mick was in mine and all of them were in mine. Uh, yes, they got on. I mean, geez, if you right. want to take photographs of me, I have photographs by the million of loving photographs of, of, right. of everyone around the place. And uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not knocking Phyllis. I don't, I'm not knocking Ross. Okay. Well, I'll let time decide. But I still said that right. what Mick and Phyllis told me at that time. That it was not that true. Really? Yes. Mick and Phyllis yeah. told you that at the time. Yeah. Would you have a problem accepting it if it was true? No, you not at all. I would right. be horribly disappointed but that he didn't tell me. Oh, right. But, oh, but, but that would be only on a personal, oh, on a personal level. Basis. No, not at all. That he no, hadn't no, felt it. I would have had no other, no other problem. I would be horribly disappointed that he didn't tell me or that he told me a lie. All right, but that's a friend to a friend, that's isn't a friend it, rather than... Yes, but it's not... not, not, not it wouldn't, I wouldn't be disappointed at all as Mick Cleary priest. Do, do, do you follow what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, that priest on the Late Late Show who was saying he got out and he's married and he's happy... Mike Noon, yeah. People were very, very sympathetic... Oh, sure. Uh, ...to his situation, sure. you know? Ah. So when I asked you that question about you being involved with... I didn't mean, are we going to find out you have two children or that? No. But the question... No, I have on, no children. Oh. I've never slept with anybody, man, woman, oh. or child. But have you ever fell in love? Yes. In a non-sexual, no, and you had to stop. Said, everybody knows that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've written about it, I've right. talked about it, I mean, I have, so right. and hopefully will again. All right, and you hope you would fall in love again? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Did you not feel pain because it couldn't be sure. fulfilled? But, as far as, but I, I'm not right, talking sexually, I'm talking about... Sure, I'm talking about the, the, love. the love of being wanted and yeah. knowing somebody that wants yeah. you and, and is close to you and understands you and all the rest of it. I would find that... Uh, uh, a, a good place to be, actually. That intimacy, that human intimacy. A good place to be. Uh, and certainly you could never go around the life saying, uh, blocking people out in case that happened to you. But when it happens, some priests and nuns have to do that yes, yes. in order to yes. keep what they perceive to be pure the relationship yes. with Christ. Because you are asked to become bride of Christ or whatever, in yeah. that sense. Yeah, but I don't, uh, yes, you so are. Don't, uh, and, and the priests I knew when I was growing up, Yes. But a lot of the priests, I, I have had very good relationships with priests all my life, you know, and, and lots of friends in uh, Father Rory down in the, the, the Franciscan Friary and things like this. But I, I always got the sense from them that they were emotionally afraid, uh-huh. that they could, they could love in the abstract yeah. and give in the abstract. Yeah. I loved Christ, I yeah. never doubted yeah. that. Yeah. But there was a part of them that was like, just yeah. keep Rapid. the heart closed. Exactly. I hope I would never become that. I think, right. I would, I think, I think that would be something that would ask me to leave the priesthood. Uh, if, that, if that did happen then. Right, uh, then you can't really You can't care. be a human being. All and right. you can't be a care. And you can't be, you can't be holistic. You know? All right. Do you, but, do you feel finally that as a human being and as a Christian, you can be holistic and fully fulfilled with just the relationship with Christ? Um, in the depths of the night and at the end of your life and on your dying bed? Or is that a question I, that must forever... I, I, I can't give you an answer to that, John. All right. I can't give you an I hope when I die, the answer will be yes. I hope my life wasn't wasted. But I can't answer that other than as a day-to-day act of faith. I knew right away that that last quote had given me a great exit line for the article. So I said to Brian, I'm finished. But I obviously wasn't. Because after I heard the tapes, I identified gaps in his story and facts that I wanted him to elaborate upon. So we met again. One of the first things we discussed was Darcy's response to director Louis Lenton's moving drama documentary, Dear Daughter, about the horrific abuse children such as Christine Buckley suffered in the Golden Bridge orphanage at the hands of the Sisters of Mercy, particularly one seemingly psychotic nun. One scene in the TV show Darcy refers to, namely when former residents reenacted childhood activities such as being forced to meet a quota of making 60 sets of rosary beads a day. All right, one thing that has happened since we last talked is that you, we, there's a part of the interview where you very much describe uh, nuns almost in saintly terms. Mm. And that image has taken a hell of a bashing with the uh, revelations mm. about 
go mm-hmm. and rage and mm-hmm. the kind of mm-hmm. the violence performed by a nun, uh, mm. which is incredibly explicit, graphic, mm. and uh, mm. devastating to mm. a lot of people. Absolutely, and rightly so. A nun more so than, the, than those nuns who have tried to make a good job of it. I think what I said, and I, I hope it's what I said the last time, was that the people who have made most strides yeah. in yeah. finding that, that the church... They're revolutionising. They're revolutionising. I pushed that a little. We, we and, 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 I, and I still think that, because they came from being a baby bashing group of people, if you understand some of them right. who are baby bashers, right. to realise, to moving out and moving out into the open, to being leaders in their field. Uh, and that I would still stand by that. Now, right. having said that, I would also say that as far as I can see, there is no doubt in the world that that did take place. And I, my sermon last Sunday was about it. And I, my sermon um, was quite simply this, that when we see evil and when we see sin, we must name it as that. And that was both evil and sinful. And anybody who covered it, anybody who cooperated with it, anybody who didn't something about it, cooperated in a very evil, cynical sin. Right. Um, and furthermore, I would go and say that when we're looking back in the church and talking about the good old days, let's remember that they were not good old days. I lived through them. They were horrifically bad days. Right. Um, there were some good people in it, but there were bad days, and that is the best example. I think there is no better image to me, and I said this last Sunday to the people that I was preaching to, there is no better image to me of the hypocrisy of some of the things that used to be in Catholicism than we could be rattling round saying rosaries that were made on suffering and child labour. But isn't that more a systematic abuse of those children than just one nun? Isn't that an uh, institutionalised? Oh, that abuse? seems to have been. Yes, you know I think I, mean? I, I think that seems to have and been an institutionalised, accepted abuse of Absol- children. Absolutely, by 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 church, by yeah. state, yeah. by education authorities, and sadly, as Christine herself quite rightly says, by parents. So your double response to that as a priest and as a human being when you saw the show? Well, well, the response as a man is I cried my eyes out that right. that thing could happen to children. I really, I really got sick, literally sick, and I mean literally sick, right. in my stomach, watching it. Right, right. Uh, and but was it a big shock to you, or had you absolutely. heard these rumours? No, Maybe no. not about there, but about other institutions, I'd with heard, nuns, I'd as heard, opposed to just priests. I'd heard, yes, I'd heard, yes, you'd have heard of cruel things that nuns did, but I never imagined that, that nuns, that any human being, not just nuns, that any human being, would put a wee child strapped to a potty. Till this rectum hung down. I, f- I, I couldn't know, believe that that would happen to anybody. I know, I know. You know, I, I, know. T- I never, I didn't believe, Christ, I didn't believe that happened to you. Call me naive, okay. but I never okay. heard that. Even within the Holy Orders, you had never heard no, that? No, no. Absolutely, I would have to say no. Right. Would, I have met hundreds, maybe, well, we, can't, we shouldn't exaggerate, but I certainly met dozens of people who feel maybe that there were institutions around the place were sexually abused yeah. or were, lived a horrible regime. Uh, but I'm not that kind not of Not that horrible. At this point, I told Father Darcy that a former pupil of Sing Street Christian Brothers School in Dublin recently told me that back in the 60s when he attended that institution, pupils lived in daily terror of being beaten by the brothers and that you could hear the screams sounding through the corridors nearly all day long. Sing Street wasn't a boarding school, was it? Right. I'm not, uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. so I wasn't there. No, so, right. so it, like, it, it was a day pupil thing, right. and, right. and it, it couldn't have happened if it wasn't a boarding pupil. That wasn't going on. There was right. nobody being... You know, I'm sure people were slapped. Yes, yeah. they were slapped. And so yeah. was I. And hated it. But what is this? A slap across the face? Slap no, across the I, no, well, I've got, I did get slapped across the head, yes, by both right. by laymen and, and oh, priests right. and you brothers. Mean, you mean the leather on the, on the wrist? No, a fist. Uh, I got fists in the head by, by right. a layman and, right. and by a priest on, on one right. occasion okay. and by a layman, one that I'll never forget. Oh, and by for layman. what? You're just saying something out of order? For, 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 I, 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 talking in class was the one oh, that I got okay. the belt in my head for. I okay. remember it very well. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying... I met Christian brothers who were very good. I met yeah. one horrible bastard of a Christian brother. Right. But I met hundreds of others who were good. Is he the not one who hundreds of you? others. Eh? Is he the one who levels you? And perhaps worse. But was it systematic or was it once? 
in your history? I, well, it was... Did well, he seem to... I was... And was it only you? Uh, no, no, it wasn't me. I, I, I wasn't the worst of them, I oh, would right. have to say. I, right. I was a reasonably quiet fella at school. Okay. And, and, and he didn't, didn't have justification and, alleged and, justification. and alleged... There's no justification, no, but there was That's no alleged justification yeah. for it yeah. uh, in me. And I felt very badly about that because I always tried to do my best. And, you oh, know, right. I, I always felt very unfairly done by... Right, this is before you decided to become a priest. Oh, obviously. miles, miles before. Yeah, I was when you were a kid, when you were right up until through you know miles before I decided to become a priest. As I said, yeah, it was a late was a, enough thing for me. Was this a layman or a priest? Uh, well, I, I would say the first one was a brother, right. Christian brother. The second one was the second biggest beating I ever got was a layman, um, who's now dead actually, uh, but who's also man strange enough, who gave me a great love and respect for English. It was right. just a strange like mixture, yeah, the irony yeah, of yeah, it, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and uh, there was one in St Michael's College. There was only one priest that I would say was, uh, to me, a man that if I met him now, I would still shiver. Would you? I would. Because he was abusing. Just because he was, he was you know, he, and and more still, tongue. Oh, public psychological. Psychological terror. Okay, like intimidating. Uh, and and a making exactly making you feel like a gobshite. Why though? Your intelligence and exactly. you're stupid. I mean, just that was, you know, because, you know, I, I don't think anybody's. I'm always very careful now. Maybe that you ask me a question why am I loyal to people? No. Right. I think that's part of it. I tend to believe people are good until they're proven bad. I think, okay. I think, I think as I grew up, as I grew, as I grew up, as I grew up, I think I was presumed bad until I was proven good right. in much of the education system. That was the way it was. But there were outstanding exceptions to that, and I remember them too. There were outstanding exceptions to that. But you did encounter evil, and you encountered evil in the guise of God, uh, which it can be very confusing for young people. Uh, I, I did. There's no question yeah. about that. But I also encountered goodness, sure. in the, in, and I think that's what yeah. I was trying to... I, I, w I wouldn't deny one, yeah. uh, but nor yeah. would I deny the other it, either. But you did say to me, and it's in the interview, that you hadn't even considered becoming a priest until Father Angelo said that's right. when you were that's 15 right. or 16. That's right. That's right. So you would hardly consider that when you'd had the other experiences with brothers or with whoever. Uh, that's right. You, we know we, what I, mean. I suppose it's no wonder I didn't sort of... Think about was, it. Think about it at all. Yeah. I didn't think I was yeah. good enough, to be honest with you, and I think that was part of the story. Good as in... Goodness. Goodness, yes, as in goodness. Oh, not, right. not an intelligence, as in goodness. I didn't yeah. think it was, I didn't think yeah. it was good enough yeah. to be a yeah. priest. Yeah. Here, once again, off the record and off tape, Father Brian Darcy elaborated on the sexual abuse he'd suffered, and that also, I now suggested, could easily have turned him against the priesthood, if not against God. Darcy said he didn't blame God. I then put to him a theory as propounded by Sigmund Freud. Now, when it sees the reading that a lot of that, whether it is that nun or, or a priest, that a lot of it is thwarted uh, self-denial in terms of sexuality, do you buy that kind of Freudian mm. line? I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know enough about it. I think, I think it's certainly a very plausible thing. It may well be. Uh, I think what has to be looked at in the context of all of this is that <clears throat> very frequently religious life and very frequently systems of training people in religion were themselves a very doubtful origin. Uh, and I think that many of us in vocation discovered that getting through a system was an endurance test rather than a blossoming test. And that we have had to work very hard since to regain our humanity. That the system at that time was a brainwashing system of regular exercises, not exercise, exercises. And that you know, if the guy was a good religious, if you could actually be in the choir when you're supposed to be in the choir, fast when you're supposed to fast, keep all these external rules. Right. And that goodness, individual goodness, individual anything, was beaten out, not beaten out of you, but driven out of you. Right. Was driven right. out of you by penance, by endurance, uh, by humiliation, by voluntary humiliation. Um, right. And that that system always left itself open to letting psychotics through and right. driving good people out. Or helping psychotics develop. Well, perhaps. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that, helping psychosis develop. I, yes, I and would I mean, probably. That, is, that, that was Freud's mm. argument that mm. it kind of is, mm. is, is the frustrated, yeah. life-affirming sex, uh -huh. sexuality at that level. Uh -huh. Uh, turned in on itself right. and turned around. It could, it, yes, I'm, I mean, I'm not a psychologist right. and I don't want to go on and All say right. it about it, but okay. I, it's a plausible theory. It certainly right. is a plausible right. theory. What I am saying is that the system, the, the structure, the around, 
not society structure as well as, as, as religion structure, but, but, but certainly in, in the kind of training that I got pre-Vatican Council was by modern standards not only doubtful but damaging, uh-huh. but, positive, but de- definitively damaging. Was it life-denying? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely life-denying. Absolutely uh-huh. life-denying. See, because then you can see why a lot of the resonances come yes, out of it. Yes, yes. And, and, and one has to work, I have to work, um, and, and other good people sure. have come through it. And the miracle. claim yourself. Yes. I've said many occasions, I mean it, that some of the most hurt people in this church are priests. Themselves. Themselves. Right. And that's what I'm saying. That right. systems and, 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 and theologies uh, and rules and regulations knocked every spark of individualism and humanity out of it. How can you still believe in a system that is I don't so believe in that system. at a core level? I don't believe in that system. That's the point. That's the very system I'm trying to uh, change. Uh, change. Yeah. Right, because the I way, never, and the I way never, you're describing it, it's corroded yeah. and polluted at yeah. a core central level. That's, that that system was, but I don't think I don't think it has anything to Post-Vatican. do. You, I hope I made a distinction. Maybe I didn't in, in in your interview, but I know I've made a distinction in other interviews, and that's what I'm getting at. Right. There's a huge distinction between, between religion and spirituality. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we talk mostly uh, about institutionalized religion. Yes. And Catholicism of a particular uh, nature uh, and, and set in a particular time. Uh huh. Uh huh. And that uh, comes across as, as corroded to a uh, great degree. That, that, that system has to be. And, and right. why, right. Would there, why would there have been need of a Vatican Council? I mean, John the Twenty Third was a wonderful, wonderful man because he overcame some of the greatest tyrants, tyrants and tyrannies. To, to have that. It is most certainly a work of the Spirit because right. nothing but right. the Spirit could have done it. Finally, I asked Father Brian Darcy to elaborate on that process of re-education spiritually that he himself had gone through circa 1980 spurred on by what seemed to me to be a crisis in terms of sexuality, celibacy in particular, and having fallen in love. What does that mean? Counselling and therapy? Uh, not so much therapy, no, oh, but, but most certainly counselling, yes. Most certainly counselling, and most certainly time to reflect. And, 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 and but for me, it was done mainly by, um, initially, by being with people, sometimes other religious, sometimes oh. lay people, and working through what our image of God and image of church was, and unlearning it unlearning the one I had and trying to find out another goodness, another God, another goodness within myself and and being reaffirmed, very much reaffirmed by what I had read and by going to lectures and going to talks and by then sitting back and talking with the spiritual director as I've always done and still do to this day and talking occasionally with a counsellor. But how did it relate to the question of sexuality and celibacy? Oh, that's that, 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 that would be the main one, because you suddenly became aware that, that, right. that, uh, of, that of, of life within you. Right, okay. uh, and that, 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 that celibacy was not a denial of sexuality, but a developing of your sexuality in a loving way and in a different holistic way, but not necessarily a genital way. Right, right, right. So you had to be almost re-educated. Yeah, up, not that, almost, had, had to, to be. re-educated. Yeah. Do all priests and, and, and nuns have to no, uh, step back from themselves? At I think and I think you will find that people, who, that, that priests and nuns that are approachable and holistic and good and human have had to do it. And those who have not done it are very obvious too. But how do you, and, and are, you, can you have, are you in terms with that now? Did the whole process, you said I still am, that's still a continuous that, that process? That hopefully will continue to the day I die, I hope. Right. But how do you deal with those kind of drives and desires? Particularly, you do touch on the fact that you had fallen in love with a woman. How uh-huh. do you deal with those without them being manifest? Does it well, turn you into yourself? And no. You well, it, it did. It did. It, for, for a year or two, yes, it did turn me into myself, I would have to say, and made me very protective of, of, of myself and very unsure of myself. Um, and but uh, I hopefully, hopefully I remained a reasonably good human being during mm. those times. But your and whole desire and inclination must have been to express that as a human being. If you can remove that from yeah. the priest, and you had to say no, no, yeah. And you know that was like to turn your skin around. And maybe I, I, I don't know. I because don't know. A, I just say I'm only question. I'm only judging it by I, I only have one experience. Your own, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was not by expression. Not by by general, gen, genital expression or making oh, love sure. or lying yeah, yeah. to somebody. Yeah. If somebody who had yeah. d- expressed that way may feel what I did was turning it totally around. 
Oh, uh, uh, do you understand? I mean, I've only yeah. my own expression yeah. of that. I don't know. You could be. I'm not. I don't know. But it's a core I, question I, for people who are considering going into holy it waters. It is. It is. It is. Uh, not not just the kind of sexual act, uh, but what if I fall in love and need humanly to express that in physical shape? Uh-huh. Well, well, you, I, well, you can't. You, you, you can. You can well, you priests have left the church because precisely of this. Exactly. I, I think this. you see. Once you have compulsory celibacy, you have that. I don't agree with compulsory oh, celibacy. Yeah. I never have. Yeah agree yeah. with compulsory celibacy. Uh, I think there are people who have the gift of celibacy in life, and, right. not, and they're not all priests, by the way. Is there any element you know, to that story, if you fall in love with a woman, or a priest falls in love with a woman, that it could be seen as exploiting the woman, leading her down a path that leads nowhere, and ultimately hurting her? Ah, that is. It's always a huge danger. It is always a huge danger. Uh, both of them are hurt. I wouldn't say it's just a, Both, okay. Uh, I think both of them are hurt. Right. Uh, I think inevitably both are hurt. So both are hurt, but I have heard some women on the radio, maybe it was uh, Joe Duffy or Jerry Ryan, uh-huh. saying that they were led into that situation. Uh-huh. And they wish the priest had had the decency in advance to say, don't feel for me, don't care for me, uh-huh. fall in love with me. Uh-huh. I, 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 would, I, I sympathise greatly with that. But then, you know, I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can do that. You do you know. run a mile if you see that developing at this stage? Mm, I hope not. No, I don't think I would run a mile. No, I don't think I'd run a mile because I think that's suppression and running and that's very and damaging denial. and denial. Um, you know, right. I, I, no, I, no, I don't run a mic. No, no. Okay. Um, I just, you know, I, I try and uh, live with the with, with the limitations of it. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. I hope I'm no, making makes, sense, sense to you. It makes sense to me, yeah. but I think it's very important for, yeah. for yeah. people who... Because there know. are still people... See, there's no easy answer to it. I, I, I haven't it wrapped up. I finding easy answers. No, I haven't it wrapped up, and I don't know, and I'm not sure that I won't make mistakes in the future. Right. You know, and I think that's the risk. If I decide, I can have two choices. I can decide to risk being a, a holistic and let, let that lead me where it is, or I can decide to make celibacy the main issue of my life. Therefore, I think that defeats everything. If celibacy becomes the main issue of my life, then I have lost priesthood. Yeah, no, then you're almost reduced to a gently fixated person. Exactly, exactly. You know? exactly. A grown, uh, you know, an overgrown yeah. schoolboy. An overgrown schoolboy. Right, right. But you also did say when I asked you, did, did you think of leaving the priesthood to get married and have children? You said mm-hmm. you have thought of it, mm-hmm. and it may happen, but it's not something you've decided you want to do. Uh, that's right. You're open to the potential. Uh, well, I don't really. I mean, how, how, how else can I be? I mean, I, I at this moment intend to remain a priest. Right. right. You okay. know. But but I, I can't say for certain that that is where God wants me and is going to lead me. I, I, could, I can honestly say in my life that God may lead me somewhere else. Right. And maybe you could better fulfill yourself. It's precisely. Perfe- it's not so much, it, I think, you see... Better I, fulfill your faith. Fulfill God's will. Yeah. But the whole yeah. point of anybody yeah. in any existence in life is finding out what God wants from me right. and having the strength to follow it. At this moment, right. I'm fairly convinced, as convinced as anybody humanly can be, right. that he wants me to be a priest in this time. Right. I don't know that God may say you've done enough damage, Darcy. Move on somewhere else. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And don't forget, if you want to access the full tapes for personal or professional use, contact me via my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com.